You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. This week in drone news, well, it looks like the Flying Dutchman joins us again as a new drone has been secretly under wraps. No one has released any news on it yet. What is it? Well, stay tuned to find out. In other news, drones have saved lives, and also it looks like DJI has something up its sleeve once again. But bringing all that news to us and more is our good friend, the Flying Dutchman, also known as Haya Costello from Drone DJ. Haya, welcome, my friend. Hey, good morning, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well, very well. Thanks for having me on the show again, man. Looking forward to these uh, news episodes we do together. Oh, they're a lot of fun every week. And it's interesting because I really feel like these news shows help even provide me with a, a, a deeper pulse on the industry. I think you as well. So really, really excited um, to really go into everything that's coming up. So let's just get started. Uh, in fact, the first story today actually is about a new Autel drone. Hiya, it looks like this year where we have had very few drone releases has really just been essentially setting the stage for a mass debut of drones as more and more manufacturers are really listening to customers as far as what they want from drones. And in fact, in a recent article that you can actually find on DroneU right now and will soon be up on Drone DJ, is all about who will make the Honda Civic of drones. I'm talking about a drone that can not only do great photography and great videography, but can also do great photogrammetry, or as we like to say, drone mapping. Well, it seems like Autel actually read that article before I posted it because they have been sneaking around with a new drone that would solve all the problems that the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual falls short on. Well, what am I talking about, Haya? I'm talking about a dual sensor drone, a portable, flexible vehicle that has two powerful sensors, not two, well, lackluster sensors. I'm talking about a high megapixel global shutter sensor combined with a high megapixel thermal sensor. Now, is it radiometric? Not sure. Haven't flown it yet, but Haya, I've been seeing photos. In fact, I'm going to have a photo here of what we think the Autel Evo Dual will look like because it's a much bigger Evo. It has more propulsion to carry these larger sensors. And frankly, Haya, I'm really excited about this drone because if we can have a thermal drone that can also do mapping with no geofencing, well, now you have a real powerhouse tool for the enterprise users. Do you have any uh, specifications on the uh, new Autel Evo Dual? I mean, how does it compare, for instance, to the uh, DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual in terms of specs for the thermal and the regular camera? So I don't have physical specs yet, but what I have seen as far as imagery and data from the drone itself, it looks like we're talking about a 20 megapixel global shutter camera like the Phantom 4 Pro combined with a 640p thermal sensor. Now, this is just speculative. I don't have firm technical updates just yet, but I will say it's really, really interesting because it seems like the industry is really trying to keep things under wraps because, well, we all know there's one bulldog in this industry and they're always trying to maintain the attention. Whether they continue to do that or not, well, we shall see. Now, Haya, I know that uh, you have actually learned something as well about how the new DJI Mavic Mini and its usage of particular parts. 
So in this next piece of news, what information or connections are you gaining from taking apart the Mavic Mini? Yeah, we had somebody in uh, one of the Facebook groups who shared images of the uh, DJI Mavic Mini, but then internal images, so images taken when the drone was uh, pretty much taken apart. And one of the things that stood out right away when I uh, took a look at these photos is that there's an, actually an umbrella sensor or processing sensor uh, processor inside the drone. And that's definitely noteworthy because if you remember when the DJI Mavic 2 was launched late last year, I mean, um, it was originally scheduled to be launched on July 18th. If I'm not mistaken, but that got delayed until late August and there are different stories as to why this may have been uh, delayed But one of them is that DJI was scrambling to get the 4k footage the quality of the video footage from the DJI Mavic 2 Pro to a higher level and The lack of that higher quality was due to not using an umbrella sensor apparently We're not quite sure what the details are here, but either way uh, DJI was trying to make the video quality uh, as best as possible for the DJI Mavic 2 Pro There was no umbrella sensor or processor in that drone now looking at the pictures for the DJI Mavic Mini It's definitely very interesting that uh, there's a reappearance of the umbrella sensor and Especially because we know that the DJI Mavic 3 Pro is due to be released in January next year, I'm gonna assume that we'll see the uh, umbrella processor making a return in that drone as well, and that should bode really, really well for the 4K video footage that we're gonna get out of that unmanned aircraft. So I think it's very positive in that regard. Yeah, very interesting. So the umbrella is the processor, not the sensor, is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's not the sensor, it's the processor. So the video footage that uh, you capture is being processed on board the, uh, the drone and you use the umbrella, uh, in, for the Mavic Mini at least, you use the umbrella processor to do so. Very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Mavic 3 uh, showcases because, you know, I saw the video from Casey Neistat on the Mavic Mini saying that he thinks the best drone hands down right now is the Mavic 2 Pro. And I would agree with him for photography, but not for videography and not for mapping. And I think it goes to show his lack of understanding of what it's like to be a real-world pilot, like most YouTubers. So that being said, I'm really excited to see the Mavic 3 because I think the Mavic Mini really serves the lowest common denominator when it comes to drone pilots. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I have to say I've been trying to hack it every single way that there is um, because we've been flying it through our new race course here in the office and I really didn't like that you could not turn off the obstacle avoidance sensors. And also, I don't like that there's no way to force Addy mode. Well, I figured <laughs> out a way to, to turn off those things and force Addy mode. So um, I'll be putting out a video on how to hack the Mavic Mini here later. But it literally comes down to two pieces of tape. So on that bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, let's move into our next piece of drone news. Hiya, it looks like drones are saving lives once again. So what do you have here for us? Yeah, this is another story from Estonia, where a 84-year-old man was found with a DJI Inspire 2 drone. Now, as uh, you may remember, during uh, DJI Airworks in Los Angeles uh, this year, DJI announced that uh, as far as they know, and they, they pretty much scan all the news outlets and local media, uh, 279 people had their lives saved with the help of drones. 
this is back in October. That number is probably much closer to 300 at this point. And you could argue that it would include uh, this story of the 84-year-old man that uh, was reported missing. He had been missing for well over 48 hours. And in Estonia, just like here in New York, it's the fall season. Temperatures are dropping, especially at night. And they were able to find this man with a DJI Inspire 2 drone. I found that interesting as well. I mean, we haven't really heard that many stories in which uh, the Inspire drones were used for search and rescue. As far as we know, in this story, there was no thermal camera. And um, that makes it even harder to pinpoint a, uh, a human being, basically. And if you look at the photo that was shared on Twitter, where you see the uh, the missing person, in bushes and in, in between uh, small trees, you can see how impossibly hard it is to find somebody just with the, uh, the naked eye. So I guess this guy's been extremely lucky that the drone pilot had such a, a, sh a good vision, I guess, to, uh, to recognize that there was actually a human being there. I think a thermal camera would have been very helpful. Either way, this guy got extremely lucky. They found him. He was uh, not undercooled, but he, his temperature had, uh, had dropped for sure. Um, however, they saved him in time and he's uh, yeah, uh, well alive and uh, safely back home now. So it's a, it's a good news story in that regard. Yeah, definitely. The fact that drones are saving lives is, is just something that it's so wonderful because this technology uh, is a tool and it's just like fire. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Now, with that said, it looks like the government is finally on board. They're getting in the training game themselves. And while I think I could provide a lot of help in that game, I definitely don't have millions of dollars to set up the type of training that FEMA just had in Georgia. So what do you have, Haya? Yeah, this was a, a special two-day event uh, organized by GEMA and FEMA. So that will be the Georgia Emergency Management Agency as well as the federal version of it. Uh, they had over 100 pilots, drone pilots, flying their drones, and they would do all different kinds of training missions. So some of them were missing persons uh, missions where they had set up uh, along a lake a boat and there was a, a little doll there that they would have to uh, try and locate. Um, they also had other missions as well as, um, as far as obstacle avoidance and barricaded gunman scenarios. So all different kinds of scenarios to train drone pilots. I think the, uh, the big thing here is that over the last year, two years, we've really seen a massive adoption among first responders, fire departments, as well as police departments in starting to use drones and developing their own drone programs. To have over 100 drone pilots from different agencies together to do training missions, really goes to show how drones are being adopted. And I think we'll, uh, we'll see drones being used by these agencies at a much larger scale uh, going forward into 2020. For sure. And we're really excited too because we're about to launch our search and rescue course that's going to cover all different environments, lost person behavior. We're working with one of the kings of search and rescue, Gene Robinson, if you're not familiar. He was actually part of the EquiSearch uh, lawsuit against the FAA when the FAA tried to shut him down after saving someone's life with a drone. So really <laughs> excited ourselves because we think that there's a lot missing in these trainings. I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding. If you're not out there all the time, it's really hard to understand a lot of the problems that, that come up and arise. So really excited. And I think, uh, honestly, I think FEMA just set the standard for public safety training. But not every agency has millions of dollars and a multi-million dollar facility to go do this training. So... Well, I think it's awesome. We also need to provide solutions for the smaller agencies as well. Really excited about that. Love the fact that more search and rescue, more agencies 
more associations are getting involved with using drones. I really think, though, Haya, one big issue that we need to solve in this industry is setting the standard for operations. I totally agree. And I think it's interesting as well. I mean, remember when we were at the uh, New York Fire um, Department uh, meeting, what was it, like two or three months ago? They already told us well that they started out with like large tether drones that I think ran about $80,000. And through the years, they migrated slowly to, uh, or not slowly, fastly actually, to, uh, to smaller drones like the DJI Mavic uh, to Enterprise Jewel. And I think 2020 should be a very, very interesting year for all these first responders. I mean, if there's a new Autel drone on the horizon, uh, we know that's Skydio is working on drones and is heavily targeting the first responders market as well. Of course, you have DJI's current offering and possibly also a Mavic 3 Pro next year. So I think we're going to see a lot of uh, yeah, new stories uh, come across our desk in the next year where people are being safe with the help of drones. And if these first responders are going to adopt more and more drones, then we'll see more of these stories and more people's uh, lives saved. So I think that's great news. I really do too. And I think it also really helps public perception because I still think there's a little bit of public perception that there's a drone. It must yeah. be spying on me. No, man, don't be that vain. Um, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's really great. That being said, it looks like also uh, drones continue to progress themselves. And even the racing and the FPV scene is progressing themselves as they the racing league or one of the most influential racing leagues has decided to incorporate younger and younger pilots into their league. Haya, what's going on here? Yeah, the Drone Racing League, they dropped their minimum pilot age to just 16 years old. And that's in line with part uh, 107 license, which is a requirement to participate in these races. But I mean, opening up and then lowering the age uh, limit uh, basically to 16 years old, I think is great because it's going to allow so many more people to participate in these events. Uh, in the article that covers this story, um, it's being said that we have hundreds and thousands of people already using the simulator, getting ready to race their drones. So by lowering that bar, I think you're going to open it up to so many more young people, people who grew up with PlayStation and Xboxes, so they're already familiar with using remote controls. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what new talent is going to come out of this pool, and hopefully we'll see some new faces in the league next year. Couldn't agree more. I'm really excited. I will say, if I were a 16-year-old, I would have to realize something. If I practiced every single day, I would literally have the jump on everyone over the age of 20 years old because they don't have the time, the money, or the resources yeah to practice that much. So I really think that these younger kids actually have an edge on the older guys. So I think that's really exciting and I love to see more competition no matter the industry. So very exciting. And now with our last piece of drone news, it looks like drones have discovered and have been exploring what we, the world that we always think that we know, yet perception seems to always change and discoveries are constantly being made. Haya, what's going on as drones explore well, the unexplorable. Yeah, it's uh, super interesting. I mean, it seems like recently we've had a LiDAR story in our new show pretty much every week. Uh, this week is no different. This is one of the Channel Islands along the uh, British coastline where they've used LiDAR on a drone to spot for a concentration camp from the German SS during the Second World War. And they had surveillance photos they were taking during the Second World War that actually showed the barricades and the fence and the outline of this camp. However, they they were apparently never able to really pinpoint the, the exact location. So 
they now use drones with LiDAR radar systems to basically map out that area. And of course, with a LiDAR system, you can go straight through all the vegetation. I mean, this area is pretty well overgrown. So it's when you're, I mean, if there, there's a video in this article as well. And if you see the location where the people are standing, it's very hard to make out any contours um, in the landscape, especially when we're talking about uh, yeah, the contours from the Second World War, it being so long ago. So with LiDAR, they mapped this whole area. And sure enough, you can exactly see where the barricades were. You can exactly see where the fence used to be. And um, really, if you if you have a minute or two, go watch this video in the article on Drone DJ. It shows you exactly where all the different buildings were and the fence and the gun tower posts for security. And it's pretty fascinating. And again, it's not the first story that um, that tells us about drones using LiDAR systems to, to map the world around us. Uh, it definitely won't be the last. And I think all of them are, are super fascinating because, yeah, they allow you to see things that otherwise would remain unseen for, for everybody, basically. Yeah, no, I think it's really awesome. Well, Haya, thank you so much for bringing all these amazing stories. Uh, LiDAR is really interesting, actually. I really think if I were to make a prediction, I would say on the Inspire 3 or the new Matrice 300 series that we're expecting in the first quarter of next year, I would expect to see DJI come out with a LiDAR system. Now, whether they decide to work with one of the existing partners in the industry or whether they decide to copy Apple and once again suck up the environment or atmosphere or culture, um, what would you call it? The, uh, the app environment right it's you know how apple says okay that's a great app idea we're gonna do it ourselves and just kind of you know sucks to suck i feel like we're gonna see that same thing happen or maybe dji releases the mims lidar right the smaller scalable lidar system that actually utilizes a spinning mirror instead of a spinning well laser it would be really 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 interesting to see what dji comes out with and frankly, that's got me really excited because once the price of LiDAR comes down, it's going to be, I mean, like I would love to use it myself, but I don't want to spend three grand a day to like rent a unit that may yeah. or may not work because some of these renters are not being clear and honest about how many returns the LiDAR unit gets and how far it actually shoots and how it actually writes the data. So frankly, I'm really excited for the evolution of the LiDAR market as a whole. Oh, same here. I mean, if you if you look at the stories, I mean, right now it's only a handful of stories in which they use lidar uh, to to make these discoveries. I mean, if if the price goes down on that equipment and you get more drones with lidar systems into the hands of more people, there's there's so much more to be discovered. And I think in that sense, it's going to be super interesting to see uh, what comes next. And yeah, hopefully DJI will, if they don't come out with their own product, at least make it easier for other companies to to make sure that their lidar systems work seamlessly with DJI uh, platforms. I know DJI has been working on that. I mean, trying to make it easier to have third parties work with DJI platforms and get their tools and their sensors attached to these drones. So either way, I think uh, we'll, we'll see more drones equipped with LiDAR in 2020 for sure. Couldn't agree more. Well, Haya, thank you as the Flying Dutchman for joining me once again on another episode of News from Ask Drone You. Really appreciate it. Pleasure being here again, Paul. Well, I hope to see you again next week, Haya. And for all of those who listen, wherever you listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave us a review or share the show as it helps everyone, including yourself. How? Well, the more information that we all have, the more responsible that we fly, the more capacity that we will have in the future. By the way, just a quick reminder for everyone who did not see our show with Brendan Schulman from DJI 
talking about remote ID and the drone to phone system, it's incredibly important that you watch that show because in December, drone pilots will have an opportunity to voice their concerns about privacy, well, intentions, rights, and so much more. Let me ask you this one question. How would you feel if everyone in the public could see where you were flying, the pilot's location, your drone, record all of it, and be able to send any of that information wherever? Frankly, that makes me uncomfortable. I think the remote ID system should be a lot like license plates where only LEOs or law enforcement can actually identify the person and the drone, more so the pilot's location. If that's something that matters to you, I highly recommend that you check out that show. And don't worry, Haya and I will be talking about this in future news shows to come. Thanks again for joining us, and make sure to check out that show. My name is Paul. He's the Flying Dutchman. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.